So Mark chapter 8, if you were not here with us last week, we talked about what's the big deal in life. What, in God's eyes, what is the big deal? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Well, it's not necessarily what we feel is the big deal. It's not necessarily what we think is the big deal. What does God say the big deal is? Come on, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination to the Lord. Things we go wow to, God goes to. And then there's things that are really small to us that God says are huge to Him. Invisible things, heart issues, intentions and motives, right? These things are important to the Lord and they need to be important to us. You know, we need to love what God loves and listen closely. We also need to hate what He hates. Did you know the Lord, God who is love, hates some things? Hmm? The book of Proverbs chapter 6 says there's six things God hates, yea, seven that are an abomination to Him. You should read that list sometimes. Because we got some people criticizing and putting down people for violating one of them while they're doing one while they're criticizing. God hates. You know what one of the things God hates? He hates those who sow discord among brethren. Yes. He doesn't necessarily hate the person, but he hates the discord that's trying to happen among his people. So, oh, that person committed adultery. Oh, that person stole something. Oh, that person murdered. And you're doing one of the seven worst things you could ever do. And you're, you're trying to criticize and speak things against God's people to cause division. Yes. And to get people off into all kinds of crazy stuff. And people need to realize a lot of the people they're criticizing have repented for their adulteries. Right. But you're living in an ongoing sin called judgment and criticism. Yes. Come on. Yep. People need to realize that's just as bad. Yes, <laughs> Do you know in the children of Israel's wilderness experience when they were trying to get from Egypt to the promised land, you know, a three-week journey took them 40 years. Did you know that not only the fornicators were destroyed, not only the idol worshipers were destroyed, not only those who tempted Christ were destroyed, it said the murmurers were destroyed. Yes. <laughs> and the Bible says all those things were done as examples for us upon whom the ends of the world are come. How many glad you're living under a dispensation of grace today? Huh? How many glad the time of God's favor has come? It is the year of Jubilee. Thank God we don't have to die the deaths they died. We are under grace. Jesus took our punishment for us. And if we'll just believe in him, we'll be free from all that stuff we deserved. We should have all just started dancing right there. Because that's really good news. So in Mark chapter 8, in verse 36, what's the big deal? Well, we need to know what the big deal is so that we're spending our time and our energies and our money and everything in a proper way in line with the big deal. All right, Mark 8, 36. Jesus said, this is him talking, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, which to a lot of people is a big deal. Bigger house, big deal. Nicer car, big deal. More fame and fortune, big deal. Compared to what? Huh? Everybody in this rat race down here trying to be the winning rat. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, what's the big deal, guys? Hey, nothing wrong with having a nice home. 
Nothing wrong with having a nice car. But if that's the big deal in your life, something's missing. Now notice, Jesus said some people actually lose their souls over this. So caught up with materialism and the things of this world that they start compromising inward things that causes them to drift from the Lord, never come to the Lord. And Jesus said, ultimately, lost. People do this. The devil comes to people all the time with these temptations and saying, if you'll dress risque like this, if you'll sing these kind of songs like this to stir up lust, if you'll do this, I'll make you rich. People will clap for you. People will bow down before you at the compromise of their immortal soul. Jesus said, don't love the world and don't love the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. But then he said, the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God is going to abide and remain forever. So what's the big deal? The will of God. Everybody say the will of God. And you're going to find out, church, one of the biggest competitors to you doing the will of God is your own will. Doing what you want to do. And you have to watch out for you. Because you ain't always going to want to do his will. And we're going to have to pray like Jesus prayed constantly throughout our life when it comes to direction and what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. Father, not my will. But your will be done. Even Jesus' will was being pulled another way. And he had to consecrate and say, no, I'm going my father's way. That's how it works right now. Sorry, this is not a playground. This is a war zone right now. Playground's coming. This is the time we work. Don't get me wrong. We're going to have fun in this life. We're going to have some joys in this life. But it's all to support the fact that there's a big deal we're all involved with. And it's called helping other souls not be lost. What's the big deal? Somebody tell me, what's the big deal? Nothing in this world, in this material possessions, is the big deal. People are our business, and they are our only business. So the big deal, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Can anybody answer that question? Nothing. Zippo. <laughs> Zero. It profits you nothing. Oh, look, I gained the world. Not realizing your soul's required of you this night. Then who all that stuff going to be? Jesus gave a parable about that. Now look with me at Luke chapter 4. And here's the question we're going to answer for the remaining time. What are your guests going to hear and experience next Sunday at Faith Heights Church? Because we're all bringing one person. I know what some of you are thinking right now. What? I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. I can prove to you that every person in this room can, has the ability to bring at least one person. Can I prove it to you? Let's erase the fact, let's erase the lie that says, I don't know if I can do that. Let's erase that lie right now. If I offered you a suitcase full of $100 bills in exchange for the guest you bring next Sunday, tell me, could you do that? Could you bring somebody? Do you have the ability to do it? If I offered you a suitcase full of $100 bills, would, would that stir up any ability in you? I mean, if you had to handcuff them and drag them here, you would do it. 
and then give them half the suitcase full of money when they get here, right? Right? Can we erase the lie that says, I just not like that, Pastor. It's just not my personality. Interesting how your personality changes if somebody offers you a million dollars. Isn't that interesting? Come on, can we do this? Yes. The question is not can we do it? You do it for a million dollars. Right? Yeah. Well, the question is, will we do it? Because there's actually a higher price paid, and there's a higher reason at stake than a million dollars. Can we erase the lie? So, if you just look around now, and look at the balcony. There's another 190 chairs up there. We could add more white chairs. Do you realize all those chairs, all these chairs, and all our 200 white chairs would be full in one week from now if everybody brings a person? Now, the reason I say it would be that full is because some people that you bring are going to be attached to a family, and that's four people. Or three people. Or a spouse. We can make history. The Lord told me a long time ago, revival is up to us. We're waiting on God. He's waiting for us. Anybody interested in seeing souls, people in your valley, touched, healed, and delivered by Jesus? Well, we're going to have to bring them to Jesus if Jesus is going to be able to minister to them. Come on, come on. What does it say? 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. When Jesus was walking the earth, he was the body of Christ. But now, now you are the body of Christ. When we bring people to this church, we need to be believing and saying that we are the body of Christ. We are bringing people to Jesus. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. But we are. Yes. Come on, do you ever read that in Ephesians chapter 1 at the end of Paul's prayer where he said Jesus is, being, is the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all? Yeah. Yeah. Do you get this, guys? He wanted us so one with him that we are one with him. And the church that now, everybody say now. now. See, now after Jesus ascended to the Father, now that Jesus is geographically at the right hand of the Father, now, now, we are Him. Right. Do you get that? And when we believe as much what God said about us, that Jesus believed what God said about Him, we'll have the same power, the same anointing, and we'll see the same results that He saw when He was walking on the earth. Right. We need to believe more in who God says we are. Hmm. Turn to Luke 4. Did I tell you that already? So somebody tell me, what are are your guests going to get next week? They're going to get hope. They're going to get love like this world's never seen because it's not of this world. Right? They're going to get peace that the world can't give or take away. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Healing. Deliverance. They're going to make eternal friendships. They're going to receive power beyond what man can produce. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. He's in us. He's working through us. Let's believe it. 
Oh, this is so good. Luke 4 and verse 18. Now, since we're the body of Christ, Jesus is the head, the New Testament says, and we are the body. You don't have to try to figure this out in your mind. The Bible says that we are one with Christ. He's he's the head, we're the body. He's likening it to the human anatomy. Jesus is the head, we are the body. How much can the head do without the body? Oh, come on, church. Get this revelation. How much can Jesus do without us in the earth? Hmm? How much can the body do without him? How much can we do together? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can answer that question. Do you know what Jesus said in John 14? Listen really closely here. If you're a believer, this is about you. Jesus said in John 14, 12, quote, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Let me read it again. Jesus said, quote, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall the believer do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. One more time. (laughs) Jesus said, quote, John 14, 12, He that believes on me, anybody believe on Jesus? The works that I do, which was teaching, preaching, healing, miracles, all kinds of things. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater, greater works than these shall he do. Because I go to my Father. Say this, I have a part in the body of Christ. I have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I am not a nobody. I am powerful. I am royal. I'm an able minister of the New Testament. My part in the church is just as important as the pastor's part. Because without me, pastor can't do what he's doing. So I get the same rewards. And everything you just said there is totally true. And the Holy Spirit led me to lead you in that confession. Believe it. Believe it. If if we knew how close we were to the coming of the Lord, many people's priorities uh, list would change drastically today. The end of all things is at hand, church. I don't see any more signs that have to come to pass for the church to be raptured. I see some more for the second coming when we come back with him after seven years of feasting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But I don't see any more scriptures that have to be fulfilled before we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. At the trumpet of God and the voice of the archangel, I don't see any more scriptures that have to be fulfilled for the catching away to take place. There might be one. And this is another reason we need to get on the ball. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world. Then the end shall come. What gospel? The full gospel. Jesus the Savior. Jesus the Healer. Jesus the Baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Jesus the Fixer of all life's problems. Because there is some gospel being preached that don't believe in healing. They don't believe in, 
you know, maybe it's God's will that you're sick. And no, no, that's not the gospel that needs to be the full gospel. The Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John needs to be preached to all the world. And then the end shall come. Another reason we need to be inviting people and doing our part to see to it that this thing wraps up. So Luke 4, verse 18. So we're the body of Christ. So the same mission that the head has is the same mission that his body has. Right? I know I say this at times, but I don't say, oh, there's rich in his body. No, there's rich. It's not, oh, there's Jesus in his body. There's Jesus. He's the head, we're the body. The head has the same mission as the body. The body has the same mission as the head. So let's look at this. This is what the Lord prompted me to show you today. In Luke 4, verse 18, we're going to read at the King James, then we'll read at some other translations. Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, if the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Because the Lord, the Father God, has anointed me or empowered me to do what? Jesus, we need to know this so we know what to do. Because now, we are the body of Christ. Now, in our day and age, we're the body of Christ. So, whatever He's anointed to do, we're anointed to do. Notice I didn't say whatever He's anointed to do, I'm personally anointed to do. We need each other. This is a corporate thing here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Spirit of the Lord has empowered me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is what our guests are going to experience next week. I want want to break this down. Preach the gospel to the poor. What does that mean? That means all these people in our valley that may look great on the outside, who are struggling with financial lack and poverty and never enough to make their ends meet and contemplating divorce because the financial pressures are so strong, suicide thoughts are coming to them, depression, they don't know if they can go on, all these financial problems. Jesus cares about that area of people's lives. And He wants them helped. And He wants them to know there's good news for the poor, which is you don't have to be poor no more. Jesus cares about that area of your life. He will help you in that area of your life. People that say prosperity is not important are usually the ones that want it worse than other people. And they're just mad that they don't have it. Did you ever think about it? You're less prone to serve money if you have enough of it. Yeah. You're less prone to be upset about lack of money if you have enough of it. Usually the people that are upset about money don't have enough of it. Jesus said, you can't serve God in money. Absolutely. You, he didn't say you can't have money. He just said you can't serve it. Well, why do most people, why are a lot of people not in church today? Got to make some money. Got to make some money. Got to make some money. I can't go to church. I can't go to church. I got to make some more money. I can't go to church. I got to make some more money. That's called serving money. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it happens week after week after week, month after month after month, that's called serving money. Right. And not trusting the Lord to add to you what you need while you're doing His work. How many of you realize there's people all over our valley that are in depression and oppression because they don't have the blessing of God in this area of their life? And this is one of the things. Pastor, you're not going to talk about money, are you? I'm going to talk about preaching the gospel to the poor. That's what we're called to do. Right. I said, and you should talk about it when you're talking to people one-on-one. You'll sense in your heart what they need to hear. Talk to them. Flo, you're, you're a minister. They can be delivered before they even get in here because you did your job out there. Come on. Proclaim the good news to the poor. This is what Jesus' mission was, and I guess it's our mission since yes, we're His body. Yes, it is. We should have good news for the poor. 
What's good news to poor people? Well, you know, God just wants you poor, you know. He just wants you humble, you know. That ain't good news to the poor. Good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor no more. And the devil hates that message because he wants the church broke. Because the church is who Jesus commissioned to go to all the world and preach the gospel. You can't go to all the world. You can't even go to all your neighborhood and preach the gospel if you're broke. Right? The enemy is such a liar. Just because some people got off with their money doesn't mean the church is going to get off with their money. Just because some people misused and abused their finances doesn't mean we're going to do that. We've got a mission. We've got a job. We've got a vision from heaven. We've got a lot of people to help. Hmm. Next, number two. This, people are going to experience next Sunday, because this is the Lord's mission, it's our mission, they're going to experience, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. So, what should we be expecting? Well, physical healing is something we all believe in. But there's also healing for broken hearts. That's an epidemic today. There's people all over our valley in your orbit of life that have broken hearts. And you may not know it by the outward. We've seen, we've invited people to church at times. We didn't find out until after they came to church that they had some big problems in their life. And when they came to church, the music service healed them. The songs, the ministry. You know, a lot of the praise and worship at our church ministers to the brokenhearted. And next Sunday, we're going to have songs specifically catered to the brokenhearted. You know, sometimes we say these things, and I know as musicians we say, well, we want to sing spirit songs, and we want to get to the spirit of man, and we want to sing spiritual songs, and we do. But what, there's nothing wrong with singing a good soul song that heals somebody's emotions. That touches their emotions and fixes things and tweaks things on the inside. I think we need spirit and soul songs. And a lot of times on big days, you need some soul songs because people's emotions have been broken. They're bruised on the inside. They're not in good shape. They've been betrayed. They've made mistakes. They're feeling condemned. And Jesus said, my church has the power and the anointing to heal the brokenhearted. Not just help them cope and pat them on their way. We're talking about freedom, church. We have the ability in this church through our prayers, through our faith, through our part, through our ministry, to bring these things to people that we bring to this church. If Jesus had the ability to do this, then his body has the ability to do it. In the Old Testament, the anointing oil hit the top of Aaron's head. It went down his beard and hit his garments and went to the skirts of his garments down to his toes. Showing us that the anointing on us from Jesus flows down to the body. It's the same oil. It's the same power and the same ability. And we need to be expecting like Jesus expected results. We need to expect results because now... After Jesus ascended to heaven, you know. Now, now, where's Jesus? Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Right. Say this, we, we. is he. Is he. Uh, let's do better grammar. He, he. is us. <laughs> I think you get the message, right? We are the body of Christ. We need to come to church believing that the needs of the people that we're bringing are going to be met. 
whether it's through you or through the pastor, or through somebody else, through the prayer lines, through whatever, the people that come next Sunday are going to be supernaturally met by Jesus. And come on, let me just quote a few scriptures. You ready? Matthew 8, don't turn there, Matthew 8, 16. It said, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. Now, wait, 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 wait. We go right to, wow, the oppressed got set free, and the sick got healed. No, slow down. How did it start? When the evening was come, they brought and he healed. Come on. If he didn't want us to think about that they brought, he wouldn't have said they brought. How powerful is it to bring people to a church that believes they're the body of Christ? Well, how powerful was it when they brought people to Jesus 2,000 years ago? Hmm? This healing of the broken heart, these, these things are needed. Are you kidding me? This world is falling apart, people. There's darkness on every corner. There's bad news on every TV report. People have been betrayed and, and abused and hurt. They are in trouble. Guess who's got the answer? Do you know why Jesus, do you know why James, the brother of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know why he told sick people to go to the church to get their healing? I mean, he could have said, go to the hospital. There's nothing wrong with that. He could have said, go to the doctor. Nothing wrong with that. But why did James say, is any sick among you, call for the elders of the church? And let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. It's a package deal with God. <laughs> Interesting. Why would the Lord direct sick people to the church? Because James realized... Ye are the body of Christ. Why would James direct sick people to the church? Because there's healing in the church. The anointing on him to heal is now on us. Went from the head down his beard down to the skirts of the garment. We got the power. I'm not saying I and I'm not saying you. We, we got the power. We got the power. <laughs> we got it, church. We got the power. My wife never knows what I'm going to say when I'm up here. Oh, Lord. <laughs> healing for broken hearts. This kind of healing can happen during the worship time. Many have, have been broken on the inside by someone they thought loved them. The world crashed in upon them, sucked all the joy out of their heart. Depression is rampant in many, and they look like they're okay on the outside, but they're broken on the inside. And we need to bring people, whether they look good or look bad on the outside, because something's probably going on in their life that Jesus wants to fix. And we is He. We need to boldly declare, this church will be filled next Sunday. Boldly declare. Why? Because we're not trees. We can do something. We have legs. We can make choices. We are a great people and we have great power. And there are people all over this valley, their life being healed and mended by Jesus is way more than you getting a suitcase of $100 bills for bringing that person to church. Huh? Let's just show the devil. Show your own flesh. Show whatever and whoever power is watching you that you're going to do this. 
You're going to have to make a little time today and tomorrow, whenever, and, and pray about who this is. And, and then don't just wait for a vision. Go out and do something. Go out to a neighbor. Go out to an employee. See somebody at the grocery store. Give them one of the cards we've equipped you with. Invite them to church and then say, you know what? I'll go one step farther. I want to bring you. And you might even say, you know what? When, when you're there, sit with me. We'll go out and I'll buy you lunch at any restaurant you want to go to. Would it be worth it? You know it would. I just, we can't keep waiting for a great move of God for our church to grow. We need to grow on purpose. Are you listening to me? We need to grow because we purpose in our hearts. We see the need, we have compassion, and we're doing something about it. Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Go out about your week different this week. Fast some TV time. Put it on hold. Get in the spirit. Get the heartbeat of God going in you. Let his love rub off on you. And start looking at people in a different way. Say, Lord, give me some tears for these people. Stir me up on the inside. Amen? Fast some things. Make room for these things. They're not, you, it, people just trying to cram the things of God in their already overbooked schedule. Don't work. You've got to delete some stuff. Make room for the things of God. Make room for the things of God. This is the thing of God. Being a witness. Reaching out. Caring enough to stop some things and, and look and see the multitudes. Sometimes I feel like the Lord says, I want you to look at, look at this news. And it's not real good news or this, this, this thing that happened in your valley. It hurts to look at it, but the Lord says, look at it. And remember, you're the body of Christ. You can do something about this. Preventing it in the future, helping it right now. You can do something about this. This town has power in it because we're here. Yes. This town has power and anointing in it because we're here. Yes. Jesus was constantly trying to get his disciples to see they could do what he did. Mm-hmm. He, was, he wasn't real happy at times when they were slipping in that area. How long shall I be with you? How long am I going to put up with you? Mm-hmm. Bring them to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he went... How long am I going to put up with you guys? <laughs> Jesus was tougher than nails. And he loves the truth. And he cares about people. And sometimes you just have to tell it like it is. Oh, faithless generation. We have people today saying, don't tell me I don't have faith. Don't tell me I don't have faith. Well, we're not. We're not. The Lord needs to reveal to us all these things. But you know what? Little faith is not an unfixable problem. No. And if you don't identify the real problem, I don't care how good the doctor is. You're not going to get your healing. Right. Sometimes we just need to have more faith in who Jesus says we is. Who is we? Him. We are the church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against... It didn't say the gates of hell shall not prevail against Jesus. He wanted the emphasis to be on Jesus in the earth. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, he's saying the same thing about the church that he said about him. Why? Because your head and body are the same, right? It's not your head over here and your body over here. Hey, Brian, there you are over there. And there you are over there, too. No. We're... We got to get this revelation. We're getting it. Yes. Say, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. All right. Next point. 
Number three, what are they going to experience when they come next week? What are your guests going to experience? They're going to experience deliverance from sins and sicknesses that they've been not able to get totally free from by man alone. Why? Because right here, he sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. Did you know people that are bound with addictions and vices and diseases and cancers can be healed without prayer? It didn't say praying for people to have deliverance. There's something about anointed preaching, and we have anointed preaching in this church because Jesus has anointed us. There is preaching coming forth in this church that when our guests hear this preaching, when some of the guests hear this preaching next week, they're going to be delivered right during the sermon. And it's going to be a shorter sermon. It's going to be a shorter sermon. I think we should have some kind of food out in the entryway next week, too. I'm just bring them to a spiritual supper and a bunch of snacks or something. And let's just feast and rejoice that they're free and delivered. And, and I'll show you a scripture in just a minute why I say that. We should say, you know what? You need to come to my church Sunday because we have a special guest minister. Who is it? Who is it? Well, I'll give you a little hint. Um, his first name is Jesus. <laughs> we need to believe that much. Jesus who? Oh, come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Let me, let me share this with you, church. The word Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? Christ is the definition of the power of God on his life. Christ means the anointed one, the healing one, the delivering one, not just the historical religious Jesus. We're talking about the present-day powerful Jesus that fixes everything, spirit, soul, and body. All right. In Hebrews chapter 13, listen to what it says. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's he saying? He's saying, we're not saying the historical Jesus, the religious Jesus that we look back to, you know, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we go, oh, wow, such great teachings, Lord Jesus. He says, no, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the anointed, healing, bondage-breaking, delivering, set the captive free Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even though he's geographically in heaven, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right here, right now. We are not just a church on the corner where people can come and hear nice stories, feel comfortable about their life, get a little good feelings, and then leave. We are he, Him in the earth. And all of us together need to be believing that all parts are going to be functioning on the fullest level. The greeters are going to be doing their thing under the anointing. The parking lot attendants, the media people, the ushers, the greeters, the praise team, the pastor, everybody, the prayer warriors. Everybody's going to be doing their part next week. And there's no reason this church cannot see the needs of the people met that come if they want help. Amen. And I don't think they'd be saying yes to you. Bring, now, now, some of you may not even want to wait for yes. Just say, I'm going to bring you. Just, just, I'll, I'll be there. I'll pick you up. Don't even give them a chance to respond, right? <laughs> there's a scripture for that. I'm going to show it to you in closing. So deliverance from sins and sicknesses is what they're going to experience that they've not been able to get free from by man alone. They're going to hear, they're going to hear that they're free, like Carla was exhorting today. 
when you say you're free under the anointing, something clicks inside of people. And they start going, I'm free. Yeah, the prison door's open. What are you doing inside? You still got to get them to walk out, but the door's open. Push it. It's, it's not locked. It's, it's open. When you start telling people you're free according to the word of God and by the anointing of God, something starts happening on the inside of people and they start realizing. The Bible says I'm free. I don't feel free. The Bible says I'm free. I don't look free. But the Bible says I'm free. I'm free. God can work with that. That's, do you remember when Jesus went into church on the Sabbath day and he saw a woman bowed together, some arthritic condition, for 18 years, she could in no wise lift up herself. And Jesus goes into church one day and he sees that woman. And what does he do? He remembers the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. He didn't say pray for the captives. You can, but he didn't say that. He said, I'm anointed to preach deliverance. Do you know what he did? He preached that woman. Here's what he said. He said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. What's that? That's called preaching deliverance to the captives. And he went over there and laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And Jesus said, how long to this woman whom Satan has bound? How long till she's loosed on the Sabbath day? Amen. He preached deliverance to her. Healing can happen right during preaching. Things can happen in the area of the heart, in the body, right during preaching. God chose the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise, and he chose the foolishness of preaching to save and heal and deliver those that are lost. No wonder the devil doesn't want you here preaching. No wonder he, no wonder he wants you weird at preachers. I don't need no preacher. That's like saying, I don't need no healing God, because a lot of his healing comes through preaching, the Bible says. So they're going to hear you're free, the wait is over, God didn't lie. There's total deliverance and anointed preaching. Don't even need to pray at times. Just preach. There's nothing God's word cannot fix. God sent his word to heal people and to deliver them from their destructions. Quickly, let me finish this up. Number four, he said, this is really big to God. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for the recovering of sight to the blind. Let me just read this and we'll go on because I got to get to one more scripture. and We're going to close. Being blind is one of the worst things that came in with the fall of man. Jesus wants us to believe we're able to get the blind healed. <clears throat> How many of you know 103 years from now, we're going to wish we'd stepped out and done this? Things look a lot different when you're out of your body. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the realm of glory. Eternity. When we, get, when we leave our bodies and enter into the glory realm, if you're born again, you're going up, not down. When we leave our bodies, the only thing that's really going to matter is what we did for the Lord and how we help people get to Him. So Jesus, <clears throat> well, Jesus wants us to believe that we're able to do things like this. So bring the blind. Number five. And we, we believe that could be spiritually too, but for sure physically. Number five, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and anointed me, which means he has anointed us to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, people all over this valley have been hit by things. You know what I'm talking about? They've been hit by abuse. They've been hit by disloyalty. 
Maybe they've fallen because of their own mistakes and they got their knees skinned, or they fell and, and got a concussion on their head, so to speak. All kinds of people around us are bruised by life's fight. Jesus says we're anointed to get those bruises healed. Uh, he, we're anointed, church. We got the power. How's it going to all happen? I'm not 100% sure, but I know we're talking about what we're supposed to be talking about right now, and it's going to lead us to next Sunday where we're going to see these things happen in many people's lives. You ever been bruised? I've been bruised. I've been bruised by other people. I've been bruised by my own dumb mistakes. You know, you're riding your bike down the road as a little kid, and you wipe out terribly, and you skin your knee and get a concussion on your head. Your mommy and daddy's not going, you fool, what are you doing down there? You deserve that. The first thing mommy and daddy, if they have any you know, sense at all, they're going to say, honey, are you okay? We'll talk about why you jumped over the curb and three trash cans and all that later. But why, why, I love you, you're hurt. That's all God wants to do. He wants to heal the bruised. There's people bruised. Guys, there's people, this is way more than a suitcase of $100 bills. There are people all around, all of us. I don't know why we couldn't bring three people. Each of us bring three people. Bust out the doors and have the TVs on in the entryway. We are a great people. We have great power and we love God and we love people. And we start and we believe we've got the answer. Number six. The time is now. To receive the Lord's blessing and favor. They're going to hear that. Because if you read, um, people need to know that God's love and favor is for them right now. Forgiveness, healing, prosperity, acceptance, a place in God's family, so, so on. If you would please put up the other two translations of this verse. Or, wait a minute. I'm sorry. What is the translation? Put the NLV up there of 418. The one we've just been uh, studying here. Luke 4.18, I think I gave you the new living, or new life. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. We're called to do this. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free. Next verse. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The time of the Lord's favor has come. The wait is over. The time of the Lord's favor has come. I said the time of the Lord's favor is we're going to proclaim this. The whole atmosphere is going to proclaim this. Look at the uh, ERV. Same verse. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. We could say upon us. He has chosen us to tell the good news to the poor. He has sent us to tell prisoners, you are free. To those that, uh, excuse me, you are free. And to tell the blind that they can see again. He sent me to free all those that have been treated badly and announce that the time has come for the Lord to show his kindness. It's not going to come. This atmosphere needs to be charged with it's here. Come on, they can walk into an atmosphere of faith and love that fixes everything. I know you all have been wanting to serve the Lord and do some things for the Lord. This is something that's really close to his heart. So let me read this now. Luke 14 and we'll close. You can turn there if you want. Luke 14, two verses, verse 23 and 24. The Lord told the servant to go out and to invite people to the great supper. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a man that had a great supper. Had a servant and said, go out, call all those that were invited to come. It's time, it's ready, the supper's done. All these people that were invited began to make excuse and said, I can't come, I'm too busy. And the master of the house was not happy, he was angry. 
and said, if they aren't going to come to the supper, I want you to go into the alleys of your city. I want you to go in the streets downtown. I want you to go in places in the city. And I want, and, and here's what he said. And the Lord said, go out into the highways and the hedges and what? Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Did you see that, church? I looked up the word compel. It means make them come. You know, we're not talking about violating their free will, but we're talking about an urgency. We realize you are in a burning house. If you don't come out when I call you, I'm coming to get you. Are you listening? This can be done in love without violating a person's will. He's saying it's that serious. If you had to go in there and carry somebody to this supper, do it. Carrying may be inviting them to lunch. Carrying may be something else. I don't know. But that's what he's saying. So he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The, the, the Lord had a servant, made a great supper, told all the people that were invited, come, the supper's ready. And the servant went out and said, Lord, I, I, I brought the people, but a lot of them made excuses, you know, family time and work and money and this and that. But, you know, we got some people in your house. And then the master said, no, 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 go, go out into the highways and hedges or alleys and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, isn't there another verse I gave you on this? Wasn't there one before that? There it is. For I say unto you that... No, that's not it either. Um, the message translation says this. The master said, Then go to the country roads, wherever you find, drag them in. Drag them in. I... Want my house full. Paul said, We ought to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. I want my house full. Who said that? The Lord. The ERV says, So the servant returned and told his master what happened. The master was angry and said, Hurry, go into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I think he says the same thing here. And the the servant said, I did what you told me, but we still have place for more people. The master said to the servant, Go out in the highways and the country roads. Tell the people there to come. I want my house to be full. What are they going to hear next week, church? They're going to hear that God is good. They're going to hear that God's not mad at them. They're going to hear that everything's going to be all right. They're going to hear it's going to get better. They're not going to hear a message of compromise. They're just going to hear what they're able to hear at their level. Smaller bites, not watered down. You have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves to reach out to people out there who don't know what we know. A lot of times we preach to people from where we're at. Packed out, packed out Sunday, I can't do that. Because they're not where we're at. We, we, we weren't where we were at. We, aren't, we weren't where we're at 20 years ago. Jesus talked about good fishermen and fishing for souls. And sometimes fishermen need different kinds of bait. Things that people go, oh yeah. But it's not to lure them into a hook. It's to lure them into life. 
that they've been looking for in all the wrong places. Well, you all know that we're not a perfect church. You all know, if you haven't hang out a little while, that I'm not a perfect pastor. We're not perfect, but we are a healed church. We are a forgiven church. We are a church that loves God or we wouldn't be here this morning. We are a church that believes something great is happening in our valley. Come on, church, let's, let's bring somebody. Whatever you got to do to detach from the poles that are telling you that's not for you, it's not that big a deal. This is the biggest deal in the universe to God. That souls aren't lost, that souls are healed, that the brokenhearted is healed, that the bruise is healed, that captives are set free. This is huge to the Lord. I don't know what you got to do between now and next Sunday to make room for these things, but I'm asking you to do it. And you'll be so glad that you did. Revival's up to us. We use faith for cars. We use faith for uh, furniture. We use faith for new clothes. How about faith for souls? How about we start believing we receive souls into his kingdom? Abilities and anointings from us that we've never seen before. Helping others get to the Lord. Can you pray a prayer with me? Stand up.